welcome. You are listening to OPOD's Occupational Health Podcast. This is a podcast series by the Occupational Health Clinics for Ontario Workers, where we discuss the challenges of current and emerging trends in occupational health and offer effective prevention strategies to empower workers. Hello, everyone. I'm Dwayne Fuchs, registered kinesiologist and ergonomist in the Thunder Bay Old Cow Clinic. And I'm Melissa Statham, certified professional ergonomist out of the Windsor Ocal Clinic. Today, we're going to be doing the second part of our sleep presentation. So if you listen to the first part, we went over some different statistics and ending with some of the risk factors that were associated with sleep. As I recall, what we talked about towards the end of that podcast, Melissa, was that musculoskeletal disorder risk factors associated with sleep primarily revolve around posture the awkward postures in which we potentially get into while we're sleeping, the static postures, because we're sleeping for long periods of time, as well as I recall you mentioning contact stress of pressure points from laying in certain positions, as well as forces and and obviously the repetition of having to sleep on a daily basis. All these risk factors too are acting really at the exact same time, with posture really being one of the most important aspects or risk factors that we're going to focus on. We actually spend about 40% of our lives in bed, so it's really important to make sure that we're sleeping correctly, as silly as that might sound. And when it comes to positions, there's a variation of positions, but typically it comes to three. You're either sleeping on your back, you're sleeping on your right or left side, or you're you're sleeping on your front, meaning you're sleeping on your stomach, which I can tell you, I cannot sleep on my stomach anymore. I wake up and my back is just dying if I do that within 20 minutes in the middle of the night. But it's really important as far as following these do's and don'ts of sleeping when you're in different positions, because some people like to sleep in that prone type of position. I'm a side sleeper myself. And with each posture, there's different things and different tools that you can use to try to help you maintain more of a neutral posture while laying down. What is the better posture? You said that people tend to sleep either on their side, on their front, uh, or on their back. You mentioned that it's very difficult for you to sleep on your front. I've heard that that's probably the worst possible position you can be in, but what's, what's the best? What should a person be trying to do in order to decrease their risk of injury while they're asleep? Well, ideally, they say sleeping on your back is actually the best. It distributes weight more evenly throughout the spine. But that being said, you want to make sure that you're putting pillows in important places when you're sleeping on your back. You want to place that pillow underneath your head so your neck is in neutral posture and behind your knees to maintain that nice S curvature of your spine as well. And when you mention sleeping on your stomach, that's actually the worst posture to lay in. When you think of how your spine would be when When you lay on your stomach, there's no natural curvature going on at all, which is often why you would wake up in some sort of discomfort. When they actually look at sleeping on your side, they say it's a pretty decent posture to be in. But again, it's about filling those gaps. So using a pillow to go between your legs and having that right size pillow underneath your head, not resting on your arm, because when Dwayne was talking earlier about contact stress, that's a, a spot that you have contact stress by sleeping on your arm and waking up and it feels tired. What you're saying is either from the side position or the back position, you should try to keep everything in alignment. 
we have natural curvatures in our body, right? Like in our lower back and back of our neck. So we should try to place a pillow or place something so that that naturally stays in that position. You know, it's funny that you bring up the sleeping posture with putting your arm up over your head. My son, he's 23 years old, and he just mentioned that to me the other day that he's just had to change the way he sleeps because he's waking up now with numbness and tingling through his elbow and right all the way through his hand because he had a tendency of falling asleep with his arm up underneath his head and his arm pointing directly upwards. So that's a perfect example that that even a young person can end up with nerve impingement and circulation issues by being in that solid position for a long period of time. So as you said, I guess sleeping on the front, you want to try to avoid that as much as possible. But I guess if you do end up sleeping in your front, you need to really try to address those alignments similarly as well. So anything else that you think we should add? Any other advice that you can give me in terms of sleeping postures? I tend to fall asleep a lot on the couch. I have difficulty sleeping on my side properly uh, while sleeping on a bed. So I find when I sleep on the couch, I actually rotate and turn so that I'm facing towards the backrest of the couch. And that tends to keep me in a nice side sleeping posture. It's all about those neutral postures. So if you're still, you're on the couch, it's somewhat supportive. I mean, you're filling, you know, between your legs, you've got a pillow, your neck is, uh, you know, in neutral posture. I don't think it's a bad thing. Again, it's all about comfort. Like I even think of, we're going to talk about pillows later. I look at a lot of the diagrams they have as far as maintaining that neutral neck posture. And I'm one, to be honest, that props my head up, I think, more than I see what's supposed to be neutral. But I find it comfortable for myself. But even those people that sleep on the front, and even though it's not recommended, what's important to do is to put a pillow underneath your tummy pelvis area to try to get a more neutral curve of that spine. A lot of times, this would be similar if you go to a massage therapist. Mine does this. Anytime you're on your front, there is a pillow there to try to get that back into more of a neutral posture. So if that is how you sleep, there are always better ways or different tools that you can use to try to get yourself that your spine can be in a neutral posture. And when you wake up, you can hopefully get out of bed without pain, though I feel that's virtually impossible for me. It takes a bit of moving around in the morning out of bed to make everything feel get the blood flowing again. But those postures, we want to make sure that you're not laying on one of your hands. Often too, people tend to have your hands in their underneath your head, both of them together. Even that can be problematic as well. What you're saying essentially is that your sleeping and your sleeping postures are all individual. Not every one of us can sleep a certain way. It's not easy to change your posture like the individual I was talking about. You know, I recommended certain kinds of postures for them to try. They tried them and the feedback I got was that it was a lot better, but it's not that easy for people to alter how they're sleeping. And by the way, when you say that you're stiff and, and you need to move and stuff in the morning, wait till you get to my age. You're still oh considerably gosh, younger yeah. than I am. It's just going to get worse unless, of course, you really address your ergonomics while you're sleeping. And again, when you said that everything's individual, so when we're looking at something like a bed then, for instance, it's not one size fits all, is it, Melissa? 
No, absolutely not. I think you've all stayed at different hotels and you feel like Goldilocks sometimes when you go in there. This one's too hard and this one's too soft. Oh my gosh, this bed is so high to get into. We had that issue when we first moved into our house. We had gotten a new bed and we put the box spring underneath and it felt like I needed a step stool to get into the bed. Having it at the right height is really important, especially when you go to get out of bed in the morning because that's when you're the most stiff. So you don't want that bed to be too high that you're jumping out. You don't want it to be too low that you're really having to push yourself up and get out of bed. It really is having it at that perfect height. In order to get it at the perfect height, often you can play around with the size of your box springs, which is what we did at our house and just got smaller ones. So that way it was more of that slide out of bed because the worst thing I feel you can do after you've been in one static position so long is to jump out of bed with those high forces and that can potentially cause some further injuries. Essentially, I guess what you're saying is that you want the height of your bed to be somewhat similar to how you would set the height of your adjustable office chair, somewhere close to around a 90 degree level so that it's the same difficulty to get in and get out so that you're not flopping on the bed, which is easier to get in if it's too low, but it's difficult to get out and vice versa if it's too high. That's what you're saying, right? Oh, absolutely. And when it's too low, if you're someone that already has some type of back injury or hip injury, that's only going to cause you further issues. Often, if you're sharing a bed with someone, you're going to have to have a trade-off. My husband is six foot four, so ours is a little bit higher maybe. You know, you want to have that medium point that it's easy for you both to get in and out of bed. I think personally, having it too low is more of an issue to get both in and out. I can see that. And as we're going to go through here, we're going to talk about mattresses and pillows that you should be looking at this stuff when purchasing the bed, right? When you're looking at it, you should probably try it out. If there's more than one individual that's going to utilize that bed, both people be involved in testing the height of the mattresses and the height of the bed and those types of things so that it fits as closely as possible to an individual. But how about if there's a vastly different height difference between two individuals, maybe the shorter person could put something on the floor on their side to maybe elevate them so that they become a little bit closer to the right height. Or even a step. Uh, yeah, like yeah, I, something wider that elevates them so that they get closer. Those are things that if you can't purchase the right size, maybe you can modify additionally, right? That makes yeah, sense. Yeah, and I think it's something to consider too when you go to purchase a bed. A lot of times people are doing it separately, right? You're either purchasing the frame or you have the frame at home and you're getting a new mattress. It's important to know that height. And that's something that we didn't do when we went and got our box spring and mattress. We were just like, okay, we need a box spring and a new mattress. We already had the frame. And it wasn't until we had it in here that we were like, oh my gosh, and I'm five foot nine and I felt like I really needed to hop up on this bed. So I think too, if you know the height of your bed to start off with, when you go to get the mattress, so that way you can have a better idea of how it's going to look, what that height is going to look like when you actually get it into your house. And that's a good segue into the mattresses because the mattresses are designed to conform to the spine's natural curvatures and to keep the body in its most neutral postures. So then also when you end up purchasing a mattress, you have to look at your personal size 
and how your body is made up as well as how you generally sleep because you want the mattress to be firm enough to support your body yet soft enough to be comfortable and yet firm enough to conform for all of the curvatures of your individual body if it's too soft you tend to sink back a long time ago we had water beds your body tended to move around and sink and there wasn't a lot of support there if it's too firm then we tend to get those pressure points like you mentioned earlier in terms of now your body's not getting that support in throughout those curvatures depending on the way you sleep whether it's comfortable or not it's very individualistic For example, I prefer a firm mattress, and I don't know if it's because I'm more of a side sleeper, but even when you sleep, whatever position it is, you want to lay on that mattress and make sure that, for example, if you are a back sleeper, that when you're on your back, can you slide your hand between the low back and the mattress? Is there gaps that are present there? You want to make sure it has that proper firmness, because if it's too firm, then exactly what you said there's not going to be any comfort. You don't want to feel like you're sleeping on a rock, right? You want to make sure that you still have that comfort, but you're also getting that type of support. So when you go to even test out mattresses, make sure you lay on the mattress how you lay on it in bed at night. You can also use that. A lot of times now people are getting those pillow toppers as well that I'm not a big fan of them. But again, I still feel like it's uh, when I think of office ergonomics and using certain mice are very individualistic. I feel like the same thing with a mattress. Some mattresses I lay on and I just like, I can't even sleep on this. Where another person, they get the best night's sleep on that kind of mattress. Again, brings back to what you said a couple of times. It's very individual in terms of how people feel comfortable in using that particular mattress. But so you mentioned the size differential between yourself and your husband. So how do you go about purchasing a mattress when you have two people that are different sizes? You could compromise or just accommodate for me, for example. <laughs> um, but no, <laughs> I'm sure he would love that. <laughs> exactly. However, there are different mattresses now that you get different firmness ratings on each side. So if you have that type of mattress, we don't. Fortunately, we both like more of a firm type of a mattress. But there are different mattresses out there that allow for more adjustability within them. Like mattresses, you know, you have ones that can go up and down, adjust the firmness. There's all of this stuff now that it really can accommodate multiple sleepers on the bed at the same time. I know a lot of people, if they hear that, they go, wow, I'm sure that's probably quite expensive. But what did you say earlier, Melissa? Didn't you say like we spend 40% of our lives in bed? Yeah, it's worth the investment, don't you think? I would say, I mean, we spend so much money on vehicles, houses. Unless you're doing it for a living, I don't think you spend 40% of your life in your vehicle. So you need to be really looking at what needs to be done and invest some time in researching your mattress and your bed, as well as some money and some doing that so that you're getting things that are going to accommodate yourself and or others as best as possible. 
you know, they used to talk about uh, turning the mattress or rotating the mattress and people would have the same mattress for 20 years. I mean, when I was a, a kid, I don't remember ever getting a new mattress. I got one. I feel the same way. But they say that newer models of mattresses, it's actually not recommended to turn or rotate them. I know mine, for example, you there's not even really that option to turn or rotate based on the way it is. And there is a built-in topper. Because when I mentioned before, as far as like pillow toppers, that's not really, sometimes you put those pillow toppers and they don't conform your body. So sometimes it causes more pressure points and uh, it can affect the temperature and moisture in your bed as well. But when it comes to the lifespan of a mattress, they say five to eight years. And I guarantee a lot of people probably do not replace it in that time span. It almost appears to me like it's quite similar to like shoes, right? Yeah, five to eight years is longer than you'd have a pair of shoes. But if you really want to continue having the support and, and utilizing the mattress and getting your body into neutral positions that are not going to elicit pain and or even create musculoskeletal disorders, you need to make sure that you have something that is not worn out. And I totally agree that I think a majority of people would be shocked at you saying that you yeah, should five to eight years for you sure. You should get a new one that often for sure. What about pillows? Everybody just throws out the pillow and brought up going to a hotel room and looking at the last few times I've been at a hotel, I've had five or six pillows on my bed and they're all different. Every single one of them is seems to be a different construction and seems to be a different size, a different weight different firmness. What's the deal with that? Uh, well, again, I feel like I keep on coming back to this, but it's one of those personal preference things, right? So some people like to have that down, soft, feathery pillow. Others like, you know, to have more of a firm pillow. So if they kind of give you all of your options there. And I think too, because some of the pillows people are using to put in between their legs, put underneath their back. And so you can't always have the same density of a pillow when you're putting it behind your back because you don't want it to make it, you know, make your stomach push up too much as well because you want to get into those neutral postures and you're just trying to support those natural curves. So I think as far as pillows goes, that's why there's, you know, you have lots of options when you go to hotels, but often at your house, I know I have more of a dense pillow that I use that I rest my head on because I don't like to sink where the pillow, you know, between my legs, you want to keep that gap, but I don't want it to raise my hip. So it's a different consistency of a pillow that I use for that. Again, it is very different for each person. That's a good point. It's nice to see that the hotel industry is starting to look at that. And at home, we might not be looking at it as often as we should. But by providing those numerous types of pillows, you're right. It would accommodate you to utilize them for all of the different things that you've already mentioned to potentially utilize the pillows for. So what about if you're sleeping on your side versus sleeping on your back? Are you using the same pillow or density of a pillow? When you sleep on your back, it says that, you know, more of your, your pillow should fill the space between your head and neck and the mattress so that your head and your neck is in more of a neutral posture. When, when you're sleeping on your side, it should fill the space between your head, neck, 
and shoulder so that the head remains in neutral posture. So they can be slightly different. You don't want it when you're on your side to the pillow to be pushing up on your shoulder. Again, you're going to wake up in some sort of discomfort. It's all about having those neutral postures and filling those gaps depending on how you sleep. And most people really, if you're a back sleeper, you're a back sleeper. You don't really move around too much, just like a side sleeper. I even would go as far as to say that if you sleep on your right side, you probably sleep on your right side more than you sleep on your left side, right? So you kind of get into these habits, even though they do say if you're a side sleeper, try to rotate between sides just because of those pressure points. When you think of always laying on one side of your body compared to your, if I lay my right side, my left side is never in contact with the mattress. So what you're saying though, is like individuals that have, uh, you know, a wider shoulder girth and they sleep on their sides, they're probably going to require a thicker pillow because you want that pillow to complete that gap from your ear to your shoulder. You probably wouldn't have as large of a gap in, you know, the cervical curvature of your neck. That all makes sense to me. So you mentioned a couple of times about body pillows. What do you really mean about body pills? Like, I I know that you kind of pointed out that you might want to put it in your lower back if you're a back sleeper. Where else would you put it if you're a back sleeper? And where would you maybe utilize those if you were sleeping on your side? On your side, you often will see body pillows that are all curved. So it kind of goes right between your knees, again, is the one space that you want to fill when you're laying on your side. And again, supporting that neck, but not causing the shoulder to become raised. Your body pillows for your back would be that whole space between the back of your knees and the low back. So the small of your back to get that natural curvature and then your head as well. The whole like body pillow, as far as it being one piece, I don't know if you've seen those ones that are kind of just uh, like one body pillow. Those ones I feel like are more geared towards a side sleeper compared to someone that sleeps on their back. When you sleep on your back, you really are going to have essentially three separate pillows. So you're trying to raise your knees up a little bit to try to get your pelvis more into a neutral position, correct? Yes. Okay. What about those contoured or orthopedic pillows that people term as ergonomic nowadays? What do you think of using those types of things? You know what? Again, it may support the head, neck, and low back better than ordinary pillows. They are shaped differently than regular pillows, and they're designed to accommodate the user's sleeping position. That way, it minimizes that stress and tension that can be placed on the neck. Typically, these are composed of memory foam, so they can conform to those spaces and the pressure and the weight much more effectively compared to other pillows. Again, they vary in different sizes. You can get ones for sleeping, sitting. I'm sure you see them for traveling or ones that people put in their cars even. They try to limit positional changes by using these. They can conform to those spaces. You're supposed to get in this comfortable position. You're not going to be you know, flopping around. And so for some individuals, it's good. For some of the, it, it isn't. I know people, when they're having trouble or difficulty sleeping and experiencing pain, they'll try different things. And then it definitely is worth a try, but it might not be something that works for everyone. So again, it's an individual choice, right? 
Yeah, a lot of this with sleep, but there's different strategies too. People can just to improve their sleep beyond looking at the tools that we use to sleep, our pillows, our mattresses, and the height of our beds. We can do different things throughout the day that could help us sleep. So that would be having some type of sleep routine. So going to bed at the same time, waking up, you want to be active during the day. The more calories we burn during the day, the more tired we are at night. And so falling asleep becomes easier. Also eating well. You know, when you have a big meal right before bed, sometimes that is not good. You don't want to go to bed on an empty stomach and you don't want to go to bed on a full stomach. I think we've all been there. You think you could, you know, eat yourself into a food coma, but it doesn't it doesn't do well for sleeping actually. And the whole idea of avoiding caffeine and alcohol as well. You want to you know, just even the atmosphere in your room, you want to keep it dark, you want to have not a lot of noise at all, you want to reduce that, and even light. They say when a lot of people now with their cell phone in the middle of the night, they get up to go to the washroom, then they look at their cell phones, well, that can wreck your entire sleep, you can't fall back asleep, it's that light, it triggers something in your brain that then, you know, it becomes more difficult to fall back asleep. And then I think we all sleep better when it's cold in your room. I love opening opening the windows and making it cold in the bedroom. It just, for some reason, just makes me sleep better. And not looking at the clock. So again, that's the same thing. Your cell phone often tends to be the clock for most people um, because that changes. If you know that I'm this type of person, that if I see the clock, instead of thinking, oh, it's only this, I get a few more hours of sleep, I think I only have that. I look at the negative of it and I want more sleep. And I'm, you know, then it just puts you into this whole circle of how am I going to fall back to sleep? And then it ends up taking, you know, an hour before you fall back to sleep. That is all really, really good advice. The whole sleep routine and going to bed when you're tired and trying to make sure everything is, you know, similar from evening to evening makes a big difference. A lot of things we've talked about here is based upon the individual. That's one of the main basis of ergonomics in general is making things individual for yourself and what's going to fit you and work for you. That's fabulous advice, Melissa. So hopefully we've given you some information about the ergonomics and sleep, uh, pillows and beds and mattresses, uh, along with some other information that maybe you can have a little bit more restful sleep this evening. Absolutely. I think we can always all use more sleep and restful sleep for that matter. Thanks for listening in, everybody, and have a great day. For more information about this podcast, including show notes and companion materials, go to our website, www.ohcow.on.ca. If you haven't already, subscribe to our podcast channel to ensure you receive notification of our latest episode. As well, check us out on Twitter and Facebook. Thank you for joining us.